shout of praise. Come on. Oh, man. Can you feel it already? It's about to go down tonight. Hey, can you give someone a hug on your way down to your seat? Give them some love. Give them the awkward Christian side hug, fella. If it's a female that you do not know, be kind to her. Oh, man. Wow. Connor preached a pretty good sermon already. You sure you don't want to finish? Just come up here. Your word will probably be better than mine. Oh, man. So good to be here with you guys tonight. I hope that you came expecting. I don't know what uh, your day looked like today or what your life has looked like, but I believe that uh, the Lord wants to do something very profound and special. And we're starting this new series called The New. The New. And it's, we're thinking about we just had Easter this weekend, right? We celebrated the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. And we thought, man, what it would be awesome to, to do a series kind of out of Easter and out of Resurrection Sunday and, and talk about what our life could look like, what our life could be if we truly believed that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, what our life would truly look like. And if you don't know, this weekend we just celebrated Easter where we celebrated the fact that God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, down to this cross, to, to, the, to this earth to die on the cross for our sins. And then he went to the grave and three days later he rose from the dead, meaning that if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that we can have new life. The Bible says that for you are a new creation, for the old is gone and the new is here. That the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that reigns in you and because of the resurrection, we have an opportunity to experience new life through Jesus Christ. New life, if you want it, if you desire it, there is this new life that Jesus Christ came to bring you. And so we're going to be kind of talking through the next few weeks what that looks like. But tonight what I want to talk about is a question that I've been really struggling with. And a question that I've been pondering and I usually like to talk to you guys about stuff that I struggle with because I can actually preach a little bit about it because uh, I'm going through it. And so this is the question that has been going on in my mind lately and maybe uh, the same question that you've pondered. With the resurrection comes new life. If that's true, why on earth is it so difficult to stop living in the old? Right? With the resurrection comes new life. If that's true, why on earth is it so difficult to stop living in the old. I want to read a passage for you that we're going to be talking through tonight that I think could help get us there. It's in Colossians chapter 3. It says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Someone give me an amen. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. It says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all things such as anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with his new practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed. 
in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any one of you has grievances against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Tonight, I want to talk about what our life could look like if we truly walked in the newness that Jesus Christ came to give us. And here's the question that I want to ask you, and I want you to think about during this, is what old part of you needs to be put to death? Not tomorrow, but tonight. What old part of you needs to be put to death? Because tonight we're going to put to death some old things within our life and begin to walk in the newness of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for you, Lord. I thank you so much for... All that you're doing, God, I thank you, uh, Lord, that you want to move. God, that you see what's going on in people's lives. God, that you understand the, the hurt and the heartache of, of people in this room, Lord. And I just pray, God, that you would speak so clearly to us tonight. God, we give you this night. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Hey, I literally never asked for water, but the one time, can I get some water? My voice is already cracking like a 13-year-old boy. That should have been funnier. Uh, question, have you ever known that you shouldn't have done something, but you did it anyways because it was just easier to do it? Right, like you knew you shouldn't have done something, but you did it anyways because it was just easier. Uh, my, my son loves this place, and it's the most beautiful place on earth if you're a female. It's called Target. My son loves Target. He's like a middle-aged woman. He absolutely <laughs> loves Target. Every day, like, if we drive by Target and we do not stop, he begins to cry because we did not stop at Target. Some of y'all are like, amen, I feel him. I feel that. Oh, thanks. Sorry, I'm going to pull a really awkward Sean Johnson right now. Talk to your neighbor. Thank you. All right. So when we go to Target, he always wants to pick out a toy. And so we've made this deal with him that we'll let you pick out one toy, but it's going to be a Hot Wheel because Hot Wheels are 99 cents. So we can afford Hot Wheels. All right. And so every time we're about to go to Target, we have this little pep talk with our son before we go and be like, hey, listen, bud, we're going to go into Target, but you get one toy and it's a Hot Wheel. He says, okay, daddy. I'm like, but I'm, I'm not kidding. If you start screaming, we are leaving, and you get nothing. He's like, okay, Dad. I'm like, are, I'm, not, I'm not kidding, Abram. If we go in there and you start screaming, we're coming back. He's like, okay, okay. So we go to Target this one day, and it's just me and him. And we go into Target, and we go right to the toy aisle. And we get there, and there's this other mom and, and her little girl. And so we're all just like the awkward, like, eh, how you doing? right? We're just sitting there, and, 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 and the kids are playing, and, and they're having a good time. And... And all of a sudden, like, I can just feel like the, it's begin to shift. And, and I, I tell him, like, Abram, hey, look, bud, it's time to go home. Okay, you need to grab a Hot Wheel. And he says to me, he says, no, I want that toy. And I was like, Abe, hey, what did Daddy say? You get one Hot Wheel. He says, no, I want that toy. And I, I leaned down, like, listen, Abram, Mama's been spending a lot of money on eyelashes and spray tans. <laughs> and can't, we can't afford to talk to mom. <laughs> I asked her permission. 
I may look dumb. And, and he says, no, Dad, I, I want that toy. And, and he starts kind of raising his voice. And I look over this really judgmental mom who's mom shaming me. And I'm a dad. And I'm looking at her like, mind your business, okay? <laughs> and, and, and I lean down. I'm like, Abram, listen. Hey, but if you do not grab a Hot Wheel right now, I'm like, I swear. He's like, I want that toy. And then oh, he, he begins this, this shift where I can tell him, like, oh, my gosh, I am screwed. Here it goes. And he begins to, to scream at the top of his lungs, Daddy, I want that toy in the middle of Target. And so I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. And I know what's coming. And within seconds, all of a sudden, what he does is the, the horrible toddler thing that they do. He literally goes limp, and he lays on the ground in the middle of the aisle. No! So I literally, I started feeling anxiety and like a panic attack rising up in me. I literally, I went to the next aisle. <laughs> I go to the next aisle and I'm sitting there, I'm hearing him scream. So I know he's okay because he's still screaming. I, I'm going to know where he's at from three miles away, so we're good. And I'm sitting there in the other aisle, I'm thinking, okay, Angie, you know what to do. Be strong. You know the right thing to do. Go out there. You be either be, be a good dad. You tell him no because it's best for him. It's best for our family. He's going to have a hot wheel. And so he's screaming at the top of his lungs, and I, I'm kind of building myself up. Like, Andrew, do the right thing. And, and so he's screaming so much. And so I go around the corner. I see him laying there, and I'm like, Abram, what toy do you want? He's like, I want that one. I'm like, grab it. Let's go. <laughs> this is the toy that he ended up with. That's a toy that carries about 5,000 hot, hot Wheels right there. That was a $30 toy. <laughs> Went to spend $1, spent $30. That little sucker got me. <sighs> I knew the parent that I wanted to be. But when I got stuck in front of this situation, I kind of went away from the parent that I knew I should be. And, and I was thinking about it. I feel like this pretty much sums up my life, that I am constantly fighting who I am and who I want to be. I constantly find myself doing what I don't want to do and not doing what I do want to do. I know I shouldn't say that, but oops, there goes those words flying out my mouth. I know I don't want to do that, but I find myself doing exactly what I said I wasn't going to do. I don't want to eat that, but oops, I found myself in the McDonald's drive-thru with the app open. A two for one Big Mac. I feel like, thanks Zach. I feel like more times than not that there is this war waging inside me. That this is, there's this war waging inside my, my soul, a war waging inside my mind, uh, this war waging inside my, my body and my heart. And it's this war between who I used to be and the man that God has set me free to be. And I find myself constantly struggling, constantly battling with who I am and who I feel like God has called me and set me free to be. Do you ever feel this way? Anybody in here, am I the only one? I think a lot of us feel this, right? Like, like you're saying, I love God. It's not an issue that I don't love God. I love God. I serve God. I go to church. I read my Bible. I pray. I love God. But honestly, I also love things that are opposite of God. And sometimes I find my soul and my mind and my thoughts and my feelings and my actions waging war within me. Like how many times have you had an experience with Jesus? 
like you come to young adults or a, a conference or, or wherever you might experience Jesus for yourself and you feel like Jesus set you free. You feel like Jesus set you free from that addiction where he restored you, he healed you, he redeemed you. And then 30 minutes later you find yourself doing the exact same thing that he just freed you from. Like God just healed you, then all of a sudden you're sliding back in the M's. Right, all of a sudden God healed you of that addiction and you go back to your house and you find yourself in front of that computer screen. Right, you go back to that relationship, you go back to that person, back to that substance, back to that place where those people are at. And you have these moments and you walk away so defeated because I could not live up to the person that I know that I should be. I'm so defeated because all I want to do is do right. All I want to do is honor and please God with my life. But I feel like more times than not, I end up short and I fail. And the more I fail, the more I feel like God's angry. And the more I feel like God's angry, the more I avoid a relationship and intimacy with God. See, a lot of us find us in a constant cycle of fighting between the new person God calls me to be and the old person I used to be. And why is that? Like, why? Is it because I'm such a screw-up? Is it because I just, I'm not strong enough? Is it because I don't have the, the, the right energy and, and the will to do right? Is it because I, I can't white knuckle long enough? Like, why is it that I find myself constantly battling? Is it because I'm not good enough? And can I just tell you right now that that's an absolute lie from the pit of hell? That, that actually, the, the, the reality is, is that this man by the name of Apostle Paul who wrote Colossians that we're going to talk about, this man who, before he became a new creation and began to walk in this renewed vision with Jesus Christ, murdered Christians. But this, this man, Paul, who was an amazing man of God, who did more for the kingdom of God than anybody else apart from Jesus, still struggled with this feeling of battling within with his new and his old. He said in Romans 7, 15 through 17, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Amen. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I, I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Look, you struggling to not do what you want to do and do what you do not want to do. I'm not sure if I said that right. But you struggling in finding yourself in sin patterns and doing things that you do not want to do is bigger than your lack of ability to will your way through it. It's bigger than that. It's a bigger picture. And Paul, Paul explains it to us in Ephesians 6.12 in another way. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Now the enemy wants you to believe that, but it's not. He says, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Look, the enemy wants you to believe that the battle you're fighting is within your flesh and blood. Now Paul is screaming, look, it's, it's far more than that. There's a much bigger picture of this spiritual warfare from the second that you were born that the enemy is fighting to steal from you what God created for you. That we are in a constant struggle in a constant battle for our lives. And, and, and what the, the reality is the enemy wants you to believe that it's your own flesh and blood. 
Because if the enemy can get you to believe that the struggle that you're experiencing in your life is within your own flesh and blood, then he can get you to look within yourself and say, I'm the screw up. All the enemy wants you to do is look in the mirror every morning and just say, I wish I could do better. I I wish I was more. I wish I was worth more. I I wish I had more value. I wish that I could, could work harder. I wish that I could pray more. I wish that I could be more. Because the enemy loves to create a performance driven Christian. Because if he can create a performance-driven Christian, what performance does is gets us to a place of self-loathing. And we self-loathe, we victimize ourselves, and we, what we end up doing is step away from the intimacy in our relationship with God. Because the enemy's goal is to separate, isolate, and defeat you. And so his goal is to get you to look at yourself and say, I am the only reason why I keep on struggling and sinning through this life. See, you're in here tonight in... This is you. And you want to do right. You want to do good. You want to honor God with your life. But you constantly find yourself battling and struggling the old parts of you. And I believe that there's a a certain way for us to approach this. That's more than you going home and just saying, I am good enough. I am strong enough. I can do this. This is not another self-help message. This is more than that. And so this passage that I read earlier, Paul speaks to how we can live this new life. How when we accept Jesus Christ that we can begin to walk in this newness and this new creation and and move from the old and and, and begin to walk into the new. And, And Paul is writing to the church in Colossae. And which is filled with a ton of new believers. And he's writing to this church of these new believers who are kind of trying to figure this thing out. A lot like us. Right? Just, Jesus just died on the cross not not too long ago. They they just put their faith in him and they're trying to figure out, okay, but I've lived this one way my entire life. And now you're telling me that i got to live this whole other way. And so their, their hearts are in tension because they're trying to figure out how to do this thing right. And so Paul begins to talk to them about this. And what I love, the heading of this passage says, living as those made alive in Christ. Because a lot of people can be made alive in Christ, but not live as so. You could be made alive in Christ, but your life does not reflect that. And so Paul kind of gives this like three steps. I kind of hate to say that because it's like, if you do this, but he, he kind of he gives this, this thought behind how we can begin to enter into walk into this newness. He starts off by saying this, Colossians 3, verse 1 through 3. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. Step one, if you're taking notes, is this. Set your heart and your mind on things above. I talked about this a couple weeks ago with peace, but when we set our hearts and our minds on things above, what that does is it begins to realign our hearts with God's heart. And as we begin to realign our heart with God's heart, he begins to realign our vision for our life with his vision for our life. And the more that we seek him, the more that we 
think about earthly things, and I know that kind of sounds whimsical, but, but thinking about the promises of God, thinking about the characteristics of God, thinking about the things that God has called you to, when we begin to dwell on those kind of things, we realign our hearts, therefore realigning our vision with his. You see, some of you have lost total vision of what God desires for you. And the reason why you've lost vision is because your mind has not been set on, earth, on heavenly things, but your mind and your soul has been set on earthly things. That you've been looking at your circumstances. Your mind and your heart and your eyes have been set on your struggles, have been set on your tribulations, have been set on the things that the world deems worthy. And God's saying, no, it's time for you to begin to shift the way that you think, shift the way that you have your perspective, because if you find vision the way that I have vision for your life, you will begin to look at the things in your life that need to be removed from your life and begin to walk in the plan and the purpose and the path that I have for you. If we don't have vision for what God desires for us, then we will never walk in the fullness of the life that he created for us. I love that Paul says, before you do anything else, before you start talking about the do's and the don'ts, before you start doing anything else, what I want you to do is reposture your heart. I'm not looking for behavior modification. I'm looking for heart transformation. And that's what he's calling us to in this point. Look, if we don't do that, we will we'll wander aimlessly through this life. Where there is no vision, the people will perish. Set your heart and your mind on things above. Number two is this. Put to death the old way of living. Put to death the old way of living. Colossians 3, 5 through 10 says, Therefore, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Put to death is a strong statement. Don't hang out with it. Don't talk to it. Don't call it. Don't DM it. Put it to death. Therefore, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways before you knew me. This is how you used to live. But now you must also rid yourself of all these things such as anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. This is not an exhaustive list here. He's saying here's some of the things that we could do in our lives to walk away from the old and into the new. He says do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed. Being renewed. Not fully renewed, but in the process of being renewed. Sanctification is the process of being made holy. Being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Paul is saying, since you've been raised with Christ, since you have this new life, and new life comes through Christ, it's time for you to start putting to death some of the old practices. It's time for you to start putting to death some of the old thought patterns. It's time for you to start putting to death some of the old emotions, some of the old attitudes. And, and can I just tell you, maybe you're a, a first-time guest, you're not really a Christian, you're like, man, this kind of seems like uh, a Christian standing up there saying, do this and don't do that. And if you do all these things, then God will love you. Look, let me tell you, this is not condemning talk or legalistic talk. This is not a 
uh, uh, do this and don't do that. If, if, if you do this, you'll, God will love you more. You'll have more blessings. If you don't do this, then, then, then fill in the blank. Right? This is actually the grace of God speaking very clearly to us that when you come into contact with me, when you had a moment with me, I gave you a new way of life. I gave you a new way of thinking. I gave you a new way of dreaming. I gave you a new way of talking, a new way of acting. I gave you a a new possibility, new opportunities for life. Look, you can continue to live in the old way. I won't love you any less. Keep doing all the things that you're doing. I won't love you any less. Keep doing those things if you want to. But the John 10.10 life, the Ephesians 3.20 life that I came to give you won't be found in your old way of doing things. The life that I died on the cross and resurrected to give you will not be found in your old wardrobe with your old clothes. It's going to be found in the newness of what I have to offer you. In college, I played football. And I played with this guy. His name was Gretz. He was 6'5", 6'6", about 320, 3'30". We call him the big stank because he was big and he was stinky. And he's a pastor now. Hopefully he doesn't watch this. Uh, and, and, and Garrett was just one of these gigantic human beings that you didn't want to mess with. And, but Garrett had this shirt. And it was this shirt that he wore every single practice. But the thing about Garrett is that he would wear this shirt and he would put his pads over it and he would practice and then Garrett would take that shirt and just put it back into his locker. And Garrett would put that shirt on for football games. And he would go an entire year without washing that shirt. It was disgusting. He, he, had, he had his own locker room. So... The thing was at our school is that they would give you new gear all the time. Like all you had to do was just ask for it. They would give you new clothes. And, and not, not only that, they, they would do our own they would do our laundry for us. Okay, so, so Garrett had, had full ability to, to walk in some new clothes or to at least clean his old clothes. And, and I remember going to him one day when I couldn't stand walking past him anymore because I wanted to puke. And I'm like, Garrett, why on earth will you not wear something new? And Garrett looked at me, and he said this. He said, because I've always had it, and it's comfortable. I've always had it, and it's comfortable. It's funny how we can have our old, dirty ways, and we can come into contact with Jesus, and he can give us some new clothes. He'll shower us with his grace, but we keep on putting on the old clothes and the old ways of life. That got us to the place where we got on our hands and knees before Jesus in the first place. I ask you the same thing. Why on earth, if God has given you an opportunity to walk in something new, when God has given you an opportunity to walk in something fresh and a new creation, to move past the old and walk into something new, why on earth do we keep on putting on the old? And I think the reality is, if we're being really honest, is because I know this and it's comfortable. I don't know how the new clothes will fit. I know how this fits. And, and you know, it it may may be ugly. It may be stinky. It might feel like a prison, but at least it's a comfortable prison. At least this is what I know. This is what I understand. 
Because if, if I say no to the old way of life and I step into something new, then I'm not really sure what my life will look like now. Right? This, this is my identity. This is how people know me. This is how I have friends. This is the relationships that I have. If I walk away from this, then I don't know what my life will look like if I walk into something new. I'm in this relationship, and it's kind of abusive, and I know that this probably isn't the person that I should be with, but I'm scared that if I move away from this relationship, will God replace it with something better? See, the reality is, is that I think that we fear so much that we don't want to put away the old and take off the old and put on the new because we don't fully trust that what God gives us to replace it will be better than what we currently have. Like, I know pornography is not good for me. I know that I shouldn't be watching that. I know that I shouldn't spend my time doing that. But you know what, Andrew? I feel so lonely. I feel so unfulfilled. I feel so unsatisfied. And every time I open up that computer, I feel something that I desire deep down inside my heart. And I'm scared that if I walk away from that, get accountability, and fight to push through that in my life, I'm scared that God won't give me the things that I desire deep down in my heart. I know that Partying and substance abuse and those kind of things, I know that it's not great for me. But I have so much anxiety within my, my soul. Like every night when I go to bed, I'm overwhelmed. I can't sleep. I wake up not wanting to get out of bed because I, I'm so anxious and so depressed. And so I surround myself with people who party and do these kind of things. And I'm afraid that if I give that up, then will God help me with my anxiety? And so we find ourselves constantly fighting this battle because if I give it up, Will God replace it with something better? In this process of taking off the old, it's us trying to become more like him and less like the world. And don't hear condemned if those are things that you struggle with. I have all my own struggles that I feel like even this week, God's been like, Andrew, do you trust, do you trust that if you give that up, do you trust that I have something more? It's God's grace speaking to you. It's God's grace saying, look, there might just be more. I know that what you're experiencing might be great, but I may just have more for you. Step three, put on the new clothes. If you're naked, you got to put on some new clothes. We don't want any Christians walking around naked here, okay? Take off the old, you got to put on some new. It's all my interns down here. They have to laugh. Therefore, as God's chosen people, you've been chosen, set apart, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If anyone of you has any grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them together in perfect unity. Look, as you take off the old self, the old practices, the old attitudes, the, the old emotions, God calls us to put on the, the new attitudes, the new, new practices, the, the, the new emotions, the, the, the newness that he has for us. And, and here's what's, what's beautiful. It, it's, it's, not, it's not Paul saying here, look, don't do that. But do this, will your way to just be better, white knuckle to stop doing and start doing. That's not what he's saying. Here's what's the beautiful thing about a relationship with Christ. 
is that once we come into a relationship with Christ, God's spirit now dwells in us. And if God's spirit dwells in us, then now we have access to the characteristics of God. We have access to the fruits of the spirit. We have access to his power. We have access to his authority. This isn't some self-help. This is us saying, I need help, and God, I need your help. And so, God, as I step out of the old and I step away from the things that you're calling me to, I'm going to step into something new, and I'm going to trust that you are going to give me the ability to be more patient, that you're going to give me the ability to have more peace, to have more strength, to have more compassion, humility, fill in the blank, whatever it might be for yourself. You now have access. Where God grants that to you. And I think that sometimes we have this, this picture of God that he's just like toying with us. But can you trust that if you step out of the old and step out of the old practices and begin to fight to be renewed, can you trust that, that God's grace and mercy and love will cover you and he'll give you the, the strength and the passion and the desires of your heart. Ben, you can come on up. Y'all feeling all right? So, anybody watching Netflix? So there's this, there's this new, newer show on Netflix called Tidying Up. Anybody seen it? <clears throat> Marie Kondo. And the, the whole thing is about this woman going into people's homes and their lives and decluttering what's going on inside their home. Going to someone's closet and helping them remove things that they no longer need in their life. To declutter their life so that they can have a little bit more peace in their home. And she says this phrase when she's going through with someone who doesn't want to let go of the old things. She'll say, does this spark joy? Hold up a shirt or whatever it might be and says, does this spark joy? Because if this does not spark joy, remove it from your life. Throw it in the trash. Get rid of it. Forget about it. That was the old you that used to wear that. Move on. Man, our lives are cluttered. Amen? Come on. Our lives are cluttered. Some self-inflicted, some not. Right? Some of the clutter in your life is because you brought it on yourself. A lot of the clutter in your life is because someone else brought it upon you. Or something else was brought upon you. The clutter. Our lives are filled with clutter. And, and the more clutter you have, the, the less vision you have. The more clutter you have, the less at peace you are. The, the, the more stressful you are the more overwhelmed you are, the, the, the heavier that you feel. And 
I think that some of us need to take some soul inventory today. Like, picture you could step outside your body for a moment. And, and you, you, you can see your body for, for all, all that it is and like the inside of, of your soul and you can see the, the clutter. You can see all the stuff in, inside and, and it's, it's you and Jesus standing outside your body. And you're looking at all the things and you're doing some inventory, some soul searching of your life. And Jesus takes that one part of your life and says, does this spark joy? Does this bring peace to you? Does this bring, bring strength to you? No? Let's get rid of it. He, he, he goes to another thing, another article of clothing. What about this? This is from a long time ago. Do you like this shirt? No, not really. Do you wear it? No. Why do you still have it here? I don't know, it's kind of just a part of me. Nah, we can get rid of that. Does this spark joy? No, let's get rid of it. See, I think that we have to do some soul searching and we have to do some inventory of, of our soul and, and, and we need to begin to look at things in our life that, that we're doing or, or have happened or we've experienced. And, and does this spark things of God or does it spark things of the world? Does, does this spark... Joy, peace, patience, kindness, or does this spark anxiety? Does this spark fear, worry, doubt, shame? What does it spark? And through the strength of Jesus Christ, because the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that he scorned shame on a cross so he can take shame from your life. He wants to take it out. A lot of you who are constantly going through back and forth from this old to this new and you feel so much tension and you're so conflicted in your heart because you find yourself just going back and forth and, and the reality is it's because you're trying to serve two masters and, and, and you're going between earthly things and heavenly things and you find this conflicting tension in your heart because you're trying to feed your spiritual man and you're trying to feed your physical man. And your heart's at tension. And so what do you choose to feed more in this season of life? What do you choose to feed more tonight? As I close, my, what I love about this story is step one is set your mind on earthly things. Step two is put to death. Step three is put on. What I love about it is all three of those are active. All three of those are saying, I'm going to choose to set my mind on things above. I'm going to choose this morning to fight to move past. And I'm going to choose to put on the newness that God has for me, it's, it's active, it's, it's us seeking, it's us knocking, it's us asking, it's saying, God, I need your help. I have tried for a long time to white knuckle this and do this on my own, and God, I know that I'm going to fall, I know that I'm going to screw up, but I need your love, I need your mercy, I need your grace. God, can you help me to set my mind on you? Can you help me to put off the old? Can you help me to put on the new and walk in the fullness 
of Jesus Christ. On your chair, you have a, a pen and a, a piece of paper. And I, I'm going to challenge you to, to get real tonight. Can we do that? No, no perfect people allowed in here. That we serve a perfect God who came to perfect some very imperfect people that were very imperfect. And we're going to get honest. Honesty precedes healing. You want to get, you want to experience healing, you want to experience new life, we, we need to be honest. And so what I want to have you do is, is, is just to, to yourself, um, right now begin to, to write, write whatever that is. Like write, write whatever it is that you feel like you want to put to death. Like, what, what is it in your life that you just say, man, that's the old part of me, and I've been struggling with that, and, and, and I'm going to take a step right now to just, just write it. Acknowledge it. By you writing this down doesn't mean that it's going to be eliminated from your life. All you're doing right now is just acknowledging, acknowledging that this is something in your life that God's putting on your heart, and you don't have to write if you don't want to. Couple more seconds. What is it? Maybe no one knows. Maybe it's a secret within your own heart. What is it, man, that if God could help you put to death and move past, what would it be? Lord, I thank you for for what you're doing, God, and I, I know that you're just getting started. I know this is just the beginning of, of, of even tonight, of what's about to take place. God, I pray that right now in the name of Jesus, God, that you'd be speaking to each person sitting in these chairs. That you desire for them fullness. And Lord, I believe that tonight, God, this will be a first step for so many people, saying I'm going to begin to choose to walk in the newness Jesus Christ.